All right. We're back on the new and expanded Money Talk. And we are looking to the economy of the rising sun as we welcome William Pesek, who is a Tokyo-based author and journalist and Money Talk stalwart. Uh, William, welcome back to the show. And let's, yeah, we got him. William, good morning. Good morning. Ohio. Genki desu? <laughs> Genki desu. Good. I'm glad you got your Genki on. Okay. Um, a little while ago, we had a big surprise and uh, with the Bank of Japan announcing that they were not going to go with the deputy of the Bank of Japan and they were going to bring in a, a, a new guy, uh, Ueda, and uh, he's been out there making a few statements. He's, he seems to be signaling uh, lately that the, he, he wants to continue on a stimulative path for the Japanese economy as far as the Bank of Japan is concerned. Uh, what, what's your take on these? Well, first of all, can you give us the outline of his latest uh, pronouncements and what that means for, for Japan? Well, first off, you know, Ueda to me is a very good choice. You know, Prime Minister Kishida, frankly, has made a lot of lackluster choices for his economic team. His finance minister is someone that even Japanese are Googling right now, and no one really knows who he is or what he does. So in that context, Ueda is a good choice. Uh, MIT graduate, he basically is a you know contemporary of Ben Bernanke and Stanley Fisher and, and Larry Summers. And so from an international standpoint, he was a good choice. However, I think recently people assumed that he would come in and be very different than Haruhiko Kuroda, the current BOJ governor. They thought he would be the guy to finally, finally find an exit from 23 years of quantitative easing. And Ueda, in very, very stark fashion in the last few days, has said, no, um, continuity is my thing, and I think we might even need to ease more than we have in recent years, not taper or raise interest rates. So for people who've been bidding up the yen in recent days, they're, uh, they're, they're having a rough week. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you're talking, I mean, Ueda himself was a bit of a choice out of left field, but he's preaching continuity. You're telling me that these other people in the financial world uh, for Japan are, are, you know, were not uh, appointments that were expected. What is, you know, what is the prime minister up to? What, what is this, you know, is, is he seen as he's kind of making, uh, crazy moves or is he crazy like a fox well it's more the opposite i think that the prime minister's approval rating is in the mid-20s which is the danger zone for japanese prime ministers they don't tend to last very long after their approval rating moves into this territory so prime minister kishida is struggling to stay in power and that means continuity in the economy if we see anything from the boj that shocks the markets that shocks interest rates that in some ways raises government yields in this environment, it's probably the worst thing the prime minister wants. So when you look at the comments from future BOJ Governor Ueda in recent days, he's giving politicians exactly what they want. He's letting them know that I'm, I'm not crazy, I'm not Paul Volcker, vulgar, I'm not going to be raising interest rates in ways that make your life and your elections to come more difficult. I mean, I think Japan does need a change. Japan needs to extricate itself from 23 years of free money, but the political system is not ready for it, and I think that's what we're seeing in Tokyo this week. Okay. Uh, and, I mean, does the Prime Minister himself have an economic background? Like, Does he understand all this, or is he going to turn it over to these guys and, and hope that they deliver the goods for him? Well, basically, you know, Prime Minister Kishida is, is basically a, uh, you know, he, he's basically a protege of former Prime Minister Abe. Mm -hmm. Abe had nearly eight years in power and a great plan to revitalize Japan, he did very little. And so you have now Prime Minister Kishida, who's looking at the wreckage of that era, trying to figure out how can I move forward and shake up the economy. But a year and a half in, he has put no wins on the board. 
And when he does talk about changes to, say, the tax code, changes to regulations to increase Japan's startup scene, everything is like, well, you know, give me, give me ideas, give me、uh, recommendations next year. <laughs> so there's, there's very little urgency on the ground. So that's why the BOJ is still the only game in town. The BOJ is basically managing the economy. And the political system here is just saying to the new BOJ governor,、uh, you know, don't mess things up for us.、Uh, continuity is important. Yeah, I know Abe, Abe, Abenomics was supposed to be out his three arrows, but I think he never took them out of his quiver the way he thought he would.、Um, you know, something else that might be good for the Japanese economy、uh, was an announcement on、uh, relaxing border controls for passengers from China starting on Wednesday. What's the deal with that? And is it, is it really going to have the impact that people are hoping for? Well, it'll certainly have a, a big impact. I'm not sure it'll have the impact people are hoping for. I mean, you will suddenly see. You know, hundreds of thousands and eventually millions of mainlanders coming into Japan. Kyoto is very happy.、Um, Hokkaido is very happy. Kyushu Island is very happy because you will see this influx of tourism, this influx of, of Chinese tourists spending money. You know, Korea, you see Korea as well、uh, reducing、um, barriers to, Japan, to a Chinese tourism. And so it'll help. I'm not sure you're going to see the, the, the kinds of numbers that Japan is hoping for. Certainly not the pre pandemic numbers that we saw in 2019, but you know, for an economy that needs some, you know, a bit of a jolt you know, domestic demand wise, it is a positive sign. I think a lot of Japanese are you know, looking around hoping that this doesn't lead to you know, sort of a next wave of COVID infections as you know, Japan has found when, when they let in waves of foreigners from anywhere. You do see increases in COVID numbers. But for the moment, it is a positive sign that Japan is opening up and Moving beyond the trauma of the last few years, and the economy will get a bit of a boost from it, hopefully.、Hmm. So, back in October,、uh, November, I traveled to Thailand and Japan, both of which did not have a mask mandate.、Uh, but in both those countries, everybody was wearing masks everywhere. I hear Thai- the, the people of Thailand have given theirs up. What about in Japan? Are you guys still walking around wearing masks everywhere, even though it's not legally required? Um, now, you know, people more and more, when they're walking from the train station to their homes in the evening when things are quieter, they might get crazy and take their mask off. But if you go to central Tokyo at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday,、um, 98% of people, 99%, even maybe 100% of people are wearing masks.、Mm. Indoors, everyone wears masks 24 7.、Um, you know, I'm talking about public spaces. Outdoors, you know, mask wearing is still. Very high. On the trains, everyone's wearing a mask. On the buses, everyone's wearing a mask. So I think the Japanese, they're not listening to the government. They're just thinking about their personal health and they're just realizing that, you know, maybe the risks are not completely gone at this point. So they're just、uh, they're being cautious. And I think, you know, for a lot of Japanese, they feel that, you know, as an American,、um, it's a very, my, my people, it's a very different、uh, scenario. But I think the Japanese feel if I need to do this small gesture to keep myself and my neighbors safe, Not the biggest deal in the world, I guess. Yeah, I have to admit, when I was there, the only people I saw in Tokyo not wearing masks were incredibly well turned out women in the Ginza. Not Shimbashi next door, <laughs> but in the Ginza. Well, their, their makeup gets messed up.、So、I, I think that was it.、Issue. I think, yeah, I, I kind of took that as being a, a bit of a makeup thing.、Um, finally, Japan thinks they're going to be attracting more highly skilled foreign workers. They've got a new visa pathway, but I mean,、um, they're competing with. You know, Western countries that have long been on the march trying to ag- aggressively attract talent. They're competing with Singapore, Hong Kong. I mean, what are their prospects? Well, Japan's got a very big problem. And actually, Japan has three problems English, English, English.、Mm-hmm. Um, that 
really is the issue. I mean, there's a lot of barriers as to why foreigners don't set up shop here. Um, taxes are high. Regulations are difficult. This is not a place that a young entrepreneur comes and says, hey, I'm going to start a company. They're going to go to Singapore. They're going to go to Hong Kong. But the English issue is something that Japan really has to grapple with. The English proficiency here is not great. And even corporate web websites, government websites, government officials, they just don't do a very good job here of saying to people, look, come to our, you know, come to our country, open a company here, and we'll work with you to help you figure out a way to live without having to go for Japanese classes 10 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. And that really is a growing pain Japan has to grapple with. Okay, well, uh, we're definitely going to keep an eye on that one. I'm, I'm not making the move up there anytime soon, but uh, I, I would, if only to come and see William Pesek, our favorite Tokyo-based... <laughs> All right. Anytime. But, you betcha. Thank you to William Pesek, Tokyo-based author and journalist and a regular here on Money Talk on RTHK3.